All right, welcome in for round two of the Fantasy Wire Football Podcast. I'm here with Tony Solo and with new addition this week on the podcast, and going to be a mainstay going forward. We got Jaron, so um, we are going to hop right into it. You know, last week we did some introductions, welcoming you to the podcast, and this week we're going to get straight down to talking football with you guys. So. Uh, first thing we're going to do is get in here and talk a little bit about our league, share with you a little bit of news going in uh, in the No Chill Fantasy Football League, and um, basically, Jaron, I'll let you kind of fill them in on what we were talking about today. Yeah, so um, basically I know Chance gave me a little introduction as a guy that he uh, manipulated the first year that we had this league, <laughs> took advantage of, might be another good phrase to use. Um, it's a, I feel really conflicted that I'm on a podcast sharing all my thoughts with them because it seems to be a recurring theme that it's Chance and I, they go head to head every single year <laughs> in this league. So um, this is this is a very interesting uh, place that I've been put in to be able to come on here and share all my tips and tricks with him on the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, so I've, without too much of an introduction or anything, we'll move right into uh, what we're talking about this week. Um, I know uh, you had some thoughts on like the league news and everything, so uh, feel free to take that away. Yeah, for sure. So basically uh, what went on today in the group chat that we talked about a little bit last week uh, don't forget, tip, if you have a fantasy league, you've got to get a group chat. Communication makes the league so much better. And part of that is discussing we're getting ready for the season. we got some buzz going about draft order and how it's going to be decided, things like that. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a later episode. But this week we adjusted our keeper rules. So we are in a keeper league, and we've always just done where the keeper uh, is our first-round pick. No matter who it was, you keep – you can only keep a guy for one season, and then uh, he's he's your first-round pick. But we're adjusting it to kind of more of the industry standard, the fantasy football standard, I guess. And basically, uh, it's still the same where you can only keep them for one year, but what we're going to do is adjust it to where you keep them in the spot you drafted them the year before. So example, I drafted Chris Godwin in the fifth round last year. So if I keep him this year, it'll be my fifth-round pick. So it's not taking away my first round pick. Um, just adds a little bit of strategy. Uh, it makes a lot of sense when you break it down. So if you're in a keeper league and you're not doing it this way, might be something to think about, might be something to talk about with your league mates. Um, we're also discussing fab, which um, that's just on the table for the league. I'm a big proponent of it. I think Jaron is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chance, what do you, I mean, are you a fan of fab? Yeah, I'm all, all about it for sure. There's nothing worse than being the best team in the league every week and never, ever being able to play waivers. Yeah, no. I mean, that's the thing. Basically, the guys who are in the fantasy league and just want to be lucky are the ones who don't want fab. But if you actually are putting in effort and listening to podcasts and doing any sort of research, you know, you hear the waiver wire every week on a podcast, and it doesn't really matter if you're the 10th overall waiver. So... Uh, fab's a good way to fix that and we'll be we'll be talking a little bit more about that if you don't know what fab is uh, we'll, we'll get a video up kind of explaining it for you guys so other than that that's what's going on in our league so you know it's only june 2nd but never too early to start talking fantasy football with the boys no sir so uh that being said jaron's introduced himself in the last part of the introduction before we get into round two of our divisional drill down is uh, jaron like i said wasn't here last week and 
I think, as you can probably tell by that ugly, ugly t-shirt he's got on, he has some things he wants to say about the NFC East. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the, I think I'm the only non-Cowboys fan in our league. I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. Oh, I guess there might be one more. Jalen's a Texans fan. We have a Texans fan, but that doesn't count. Yeah. So, um... Being the resident Eagles fan, I feel like I have to weigh in on the NFC East because I know that these two are all over the Cowboys last week. And unfortunately, um, I have to kind of agree with them from a fantasy perspective. Breaking um, news. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a hard like pill to swallow. I know that there was uh, a little bit of time spent talk, talking about Dak. I personally have a hard time buying into him just because I've only ever seen him in a Jason Garrett offense, which I've never been a fan of. One of the big reasons why I've kind of not liked following um, the Cowboys over the past, you know, however many years uh, yeah. Garrett was the coach because they wasted so much talent. So much talent on so many different teams. Preach, um, my friend. So it, it's hard for me to get too excited, but that being said, if you look behind them in the uh, rankings right now, you know, QB 4, 5, 6, we have – um, it looks like uh, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. I, I think he's a, a good QB three in that. If you were to choose uh, choose someone in that range, uh, he'd be my pick for him. Um, receivers. One of the big reasons why I do like them is because they do have a lot of weapons. Again, really, really hard to say that, uh, especially with as bad as my Eagles secondary was last year. I know that that could be dangerous if we don't take a step forward this year as well. Running back Zeke, um, I know Chance was really high on him. I think that I might actually kind of fall in line with him and see potential for RB1 on the year for Zeke uh, if everything goes as planned. going to be lots of scoring opportunities. We know what he can do um, with the ball in his hand. So I am excited about him uh, just to see that. As and far as Sorry to cut you off. No. That's coming from a Christian McCaffrey owner last yeah. year. Yeah. So that's, that's a big, that's a big uh, pill to swallow. Absolutely. Yeah, so those are my thoughts on the Cowboys. You know, I do want to touch on the Giants and Eagles just a little bit, too. I don't really have much to say for the Redskins outside of Terry McLaurin. He's the only name that's of interest to me, and he's going to have Dwayne Haskins throwing the ball. So right. uh, when I say interest, he's a volume play. Um, I know he's going to have opportunities because what else are you going to do on that offense? Um, but if y'all have anything else to add, I know y'all talked about a little bit, I'll just kind of zoom through the rest of my thoughts with the Giants and Eagles. Giants, um, I know Blake talked a little, about, a, a little bit about Evan Ingram last week. Uh, for me personally, um, I wouldn't want to draft him high. I would rather wait for the tight end position if there's a lot of talent kind of later on. Um, I had Waller on my team last year and loved him. I think there's a, a good spot for him. Um, I think with the team moving to Las Vegas and the excitement around that and everything, I think they'll be a little bit better than they were last year. And Waller had a great year uh, regardless. Um, Daniel Jones, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's on a garbage team, so I'd stay away from him unless it's just a really good matchup. Uh, for my Eagles, I'm still a big Wentz believer. Uh, I think that he's one of the most gifted quarterbacks in the league. Uh, injuries have gotten him every single year, but if you watch him, um, I think he's he's got the intangibles, which I hope will eventually play out. Uh, it does scare me a little bit with uh, who they drafted later on in the I draft know, this I year. Know. But it's going to uh, hurt I know, and it could possibly hurts a little bit. Um, but there was a question raised about who do you take out of Brady, Wentz, and Breeze, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more with the division one breaking down. i got to take Brady out of those three, even with Wentz on there, and that's just due to the talent that Brady has around him this year. Not to say the Eagles don't have talent around him this year, but Wentz just hasn't done it for a full season. And it's younger talent. I mean, yeah, you know, it's Rager, it's, it's unproven guys, so... 
My favorite point to talk about with the Eagles this year is going to be Miles Sanders. I'm a big Sanders believer. I'm really, really considering uh, having him be my keeper uh, with based off where I've drafted him last year and moving into the new year. I think he has the talent. Um, you know, he backed up Saquon Barkley in college. Um, so, you know, they're good buddies. I think that there's a lot of potential with Sanders um, and the future of what he can actually do. That being said, I know there's talk of other running backs possibly being brought in. Boston Scott's going to get his touches. So, um, I don't know uh, how I feel on that. We're going to have to wait for the season to actually get rolling before I fully, fully, fully have a, a, a good opinion on that. Yeah. Receivers? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so as far as Sanders goes, before we move off that, because it is a popular fantasy topic, if they sign Freeman, just quick answer, does that concern you at all? No. As, okay. No. Okay. I think... No, I don't, I don't want to go into that in more detail. I just that doesn't concern me at all. I think Sanders should be the guy there. Yeah, I'd be really frustrated if not. Yeah, I mean so. it makes sense for sure. Um, I'm probably staying away from the receivers. I'm um, kind of in the same boat as you with Alshon um, from a fantasy perspective. I just don't trust him. Wentz likes to throw the ball around. He doesn't really play favorites with anyone. Uh, that's one of my favorite attributes for him being a quarterback. From a fantasy perspective, um, I'm not going to buy into it. Maybe Rager. Um, but just, it's too early to tell. If you can take like a late flyer on him, I might, but more than likely not. My favorite receiver is probably Zach Ertz because it's Zach Ertz. Yeah. So, yeah, those are my quick, super quick rundown thoughts on the NFC East. Nice. I love it. That was a little lightning round mm-hmm. from, uh, from a boy, Jaren. I had to get caught up since they left me out. Yeah. Hey, no worries. You're here now, and that's all that matters. So... All right, guys. So uh, if you were here last week, we broke down the NFC East. Uh, if you missed it, check out the uh, podcast number one. And now in our second episode, we are going to jump into the NFC South. So we'll get you some predictions on uh, how we think this division turns out, as well as a breakdown of teams, uh, especially by position. So without further ado, let's jump into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you know... I think you got to start this conversation with the GOAT, Tom Brady. Uh, new team, are we going to get the same old Brady? Um, you know, Brady, people call him the GOAT. As far as fantasy football is concerned, I don't think anybody would ever call him the GOAT in that regard. But he, we're going to talk about his weapons. He might, my opinion here is this might be the perfect storm for Brady to jump into that top, top five, you know, definitely a top 10 quarterback this year, as long as there's no injury. I'll be shocked if he's not a top 10 guy. He will not give you any value with his legs, which obviously makes it tough with the other quarterbacks in the game to be a top five guy. But I think he's a lock for a top 10 quarterback for sure. What do you guys think? Definitely. I mean, for real life football, hands down, they're set and prime to win this season. For fantasy, you got to kind of take a step back a little bit, but definitely, if there was going to be a season where he could excel like this, man, this is it for sure. He's got the perfect weapons. Yeah, um, I'm a big Brady believer. I love him. This is by far the team that I'm most excited about this year for very obvious reasons. Uh, the weapons he has on the Bruce Arians offense uh, with his mind. And uh, just the way that he sees and plays the game, I'm super excited to see that as a football fan. Um, and it makes me excited from a fantasy perspective as well. I think that the team was good last year. I think the Bucks had a good team. 
And I think by adding him, it's going to be um, addition by subtraction and get rid of Jameis. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately they – I think what Jameis was the sole survivor of the 30 for 30 club. Is that right? So, you know, if Brady cuts that in half, um, that could mean a big season. So um, definitely someone we like, and we'll talk more about in a little bit um, when we play a little bit of name game. But the reason we're excited about him is the wide receiving core. Um, Probably the receiver that I personally am the most excited about in the league this season, and I'm hoping that I'm not too hyped up on him just uh, because of some recency bias since I had him on my team last year, but uh, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, is uh, he's coming in at the number six wide receiver overall. I personally think that's too low, and his ADP is uh, overall at 17. So you're looking at a back around two guy as far as ADP goes. So I love this guy, and I love him because of the connection with Brady. I am huge, I talked about this last week, on quarterback and wide receiver relationships. I want to see how it develops as we get closer to the season, but Brady has loved receivers like this throughout his career because Godwin, what's exciting for me about him is that he is great in the slot, but he's also great on the outside. And Brady loves slot receivers. He absolutely loves them. So I have a lot of faith when Godwin's in the slot. But I also think he has big play potential on the outside. So if they develop that rapport on the inside, on you know in routes, out routes, quick slants, whatever it may be, then that's just going to build that chemistry at a rapid pace, which is going to lead to when he's on the outside, that's who Brady's going to look for. Because... When you're a 40-something-year-old quarterback and you're called the greatest of all time, you got to trust people. And you're going to go to guys you trust. And I personally think that trust is going to get developed really quickly between Godwin and Brady. And that's a big deal for me. So, Chance, I know you're high on Godwin. And then there's another receiver, obviously, that's also a top 10 wide receiver as far as consensus rankings go. And that's, that's Mike Evans. So... Um, Chance is higher on Godwin. Jaron's a little higher on Evans. So Chance, I'll give you a, a chance to chime in on um, on Godwin and kind of why you're feeling feeling him. I mean, you mentioned it. Uh, Brady's a facilitator. He's not going to kill you over the top. He's usually going to be hitting these quick slants and stuff. And uh, for me, I feel like that kind of hurts Mike Evans a little bit because he's not really known as that agile type body frame. He, he's fast, but it takes him a little bit of time to get to that speed, and I feel like that definitely hurts him a little bit, and if I had to choose between the two, I think I'm definitely going with Godwin. Yeah, so Jaron, I know you're a little higher on Evans. It's it's a close gap, but yeah. um, why do you think Evans? It's a hard uh, decision to make between the two of them because I, I truly believe it is just a coin toss with them, but what I see the Buccaneers doing this year is scoring touchdowns. And I see lots of touchdowns. And I know Tom Brady is more known for his accuracy than his big play ability. Um, and so I just see Evans being that big body. I know he's going to compete with a lot of other big bodies with Gronk and Howard and Cameron Brait. Um, but if he's out there on the field, he's been, in, he's been in the league for a while. He's 6'5", 230. So I think he's just going to be a big touchdown threat. And for a bigger guy, he can move pretty well, too. So I just... He, he's done it more consistently. Um, I want to take the safer bet out of the two, but I do think they're going to start neck and neck and probably finish neck and neck. 
Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibilities, A, for both these receivers to be inside the top 10 at year end, and B, I also think, I mean, we've seen Randy Moss with Tom Brady, and Randy Moss is one of the greatest receivers of all time. I mean, he's probably the greatest guy that I watched growing up, honestly. But you could definitely make an argument that Evans and Moss are comparable. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Obviously, Randy Moss set the touchdown record with Tom Brady for uh, in a season, so that is within the realm of possibility. So I think either way you cut it, we're excited about both receivers, um, and it's just really preference. Evans is probably a little more big play. Godwin is probably a little more consistent in a PPR league. So mm-hmm. if it's a, if it's a standard league, they're probably even more even PPR, probably Godwin, but it's close either way. Um, and then uh, I know that Scotty Miller, last receiver, we won't touch on him too long, but um, I know that Tony, I've been calling you Chance, my bad, bro. Uh, Tony, you know, is said don't sleep on this guy uh, because of his speed, and that's Scotty Miller. So, Yeah, definitely. If you happen to miss out on both these guys and you're wanting a piece of the pie, definitely he will be there on the board late in the game. So He's there for the taking, and he could end up being huge. I mean, we know how Brady likes to play, so that plays yeah. right into him. Definitely. He could be – I mean, he's got a lot of speed. So, Scotty Miller, look him up. Look up that 40 time. Dude's got wheels. Uh, could be a late-round flyer. Probably, honestly, a guy that you could get off waivers. So, um, stay tuned there. Now let's uh, buzz into the running backs. So, running backs, we got a new guy in town. Got Keyshawn Vaughn coming in. Uh, they put some draft capital in him. You know, Arians was not very happy with his running backs last year. He made it known. He made it obvious. Um, Jones, Ronald Jones, is uh, the guy who's still there. Peyton Barber moved on. So the backfield's not quite as crowded. But the question is, do you trust either of these guys? I'll pass it off to Jaron first. Do you trust either of them? And if you had to pick one, who are you taking? I don't trust anyone. I don't care to have any part of the Buccaneers uh, backfield, just as last year. I didn't have any desire to be a part of that. It's going to be a committee. Um, I think they do have a little bit of talent spread out between uh, the three of them. There's no Peyton Barber to be there vulturing away uh, touches for anyone. But that being said, um, I don't want to pick anyone, but if I had to, I would think Jones, just because he was there uh, for a year already, might be a little bit safer of a bet, but I would be okay with eating those words here in six months, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, personally, for me, it's it's Vaughn, and that is not with much confidence, and that is purely based on the fact of most of my decisions revolve around Brady in this offense, just to be honest. Um, Brady and Arians. And I know Arians doesn't trust rookies very often, but I don't think he trusts Ronald Jones either. And I think that Keyshawn Vaughn is a better pass catcher. So in a PPR league, I may take a shot um, on Keyshawn Vaughn. You know, he's you're going to have to draft him. He's not going to be a waiver guy, but he's going to be a late round, eighth, ninth round. That's where he's at right now. Might be worth a shot in the dark uh, just to see if he, if he can turn into a James White type role. Exactly. Um, so, Chance, anything to add there? Tony, anything to add there? Uh, <laughs> uh, definitely his last season in college is whenever he really broke onto the scene as a pass catcher. And Bucks have mentioned that they want to build on his receiving, and that's good, that's good news that you want to hear for playing with Brady because he's, he's underneath a ton. And like you said, James White made a living off of that. So 
I'm not picking either. If I have to, I'm probably throwing a pick at Vaughn. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I love pass catching running backs. I think that's what fantasy's evolved into, and I think the pass catcher out of these two, Ronald Jones has brick hands. So I mean, just it's embarrassing. So yeah, Vaughn Vaughn's more of a receiving guy, but I don't have a ton of faith in either of them. Uh, last last spot here with the Bucks is uh, Gronk and the tight end position. Their tight end position is crowded. They've got Gronk, they've got Howard, they've got Bray, they've got some big grown men playing tight end for them. I think the obvious choice is Gronk because Tom Brady basically made this happen. They spoke this into existence before Brady even left New England. So Gronk, I think, is going to be their number one guy. Does that carry much weight for me? No. And that's because, A, he's coming in at the 16th tight end overall. That's where he's at right now, consensus ranking. I think because of his name, as long as he proves he can stay healthy, he'll move up. But I just... Bruce Arians has never, in his career as a coach, used the tight end position. He has never done it. And I think that Gronk and his relationship with Brady changes that. But I don't think, I mean, scheme is a huge thing in the NFL. And we saw that everyone was pounding the drum for O.J. Howard last year. And he did nothing except for frustrate you almost every week. Destroy my team. Yeah, I mean, you know, multiple. I think me and Tony both had him on our roster last year. Mm-hmm. And the reason we both had him is because we got rid of him because we were frustrated by him. So that's how I feel about the tight end position as a whole. Um, I know that, uh, Tony, you had a good point about Gronkowski that I'll let you add here just about, you know, I talked about his health questions. So Yeah, definitely. Rob hasn't played 15 games since 2015. So if you're looking for a – solid option for this whole season you're most likely not getting it yeah and and tight ends a position that you don't want to have to fish for all year because there comes a time in the year when all the good ones are gone they're all rostered it feels really good to be able to have a tight end that you know you can just set and forget yeah and i don't yep. feel good enough with any of these guys to do that even though i think Gronk is one of my favorite players that I've ever watched play the position. Mm-hmm. And O.J. Howard, I think, has the potential if he got the usage. But that's the key with that team is usage. Right. And that's my problem is you can think about it like, okay, I take tight end A, and he's a top five tight end. And then all of a sudden he gets hurt in week seven. Then I have a, okay, well, I'll go pick up his backup off waivers, and hopefully he gets a portion of the usage. I don't think that's what happens if Gronk gets hurt. I think if Gronk gets hurt, we go back to the O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid of last year mm-hmm. where you're you're flipping a coin to see who you play that week. And I don't want to be in that position. Um, Gronk is a fun, fun dude. Love him, but not someone I'm messing with this year. So Yeah, and you look at him on uh, the Patriots, and he was he was mostly a focal point. Whenever, the image that we have of Gronkowski, he was a focal point of that offense, and I don't think they really need that with how many weapons they have this year. So... He'll have big games, not enough to to spend capital on, though, I don't believe. For sure, for sure. So now let's move into the New Orleans Saints. So the Saints were, I mean, they were slash are a Super Bowl contender, I think, in most people's minds. Tampa Bay probably is, too, with the addition of Brady. But um, the Saints convinced Drew Brees to come back for one more year, or so he says. You know, it's always hard for guys like this to retire. I love Drew Brees. You know, we're sitting here in in the the ATX, Austin, Texas. So we're obviously probably all pretty big Drew Brees fans. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, 
we're going to touch on him again later, but he is, I think, he's not going to give you much with his legs. He is a solid quarterback with solid weapons in a solid offense. He is very comparable to Brady. So I think he's going to give you a good year. I think he's a guy that if you're waiting on quarterbacks and you're not getting one of those top three quarterbacks, top four quarterbacks, which is probably the boat that most of us sit in, then he's someone that you're going to be happy on your roster. Uh, you just you hope he stays healthy, and I have no doubt that he's going to put up good numbers. Anything you guys add to that, really? It's Drew Brees. I mean, yeah. I feel safe with him. Yeah, Drew Brees. So yeah, uh, no, definitely can always trust Drew for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So a little fun question here is this is something going around just the football community in general is if Brees goes down. Who is the starter? Because there's Jameis Winston there now, and that wasn't the case last year. But even last year, when Breeze went down, it wasn't Taysom Hill. It was Teddy Bridgewater. So you guys both think that Jameis gets put in the game if Drew Breeze goes down, correct? Yes. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, longer track record. They have a good team. They're, you know, in it this year going into the season. Um, even this <laughs> Much as Jameis has disappointed me in the past, he has a longer and better track record. I think so. I feel safer with them too. Yeah, and and for, go ahead, go ahead, Tony. And uh, I, it's crazy to me that the comparisons to Taysom Hill to Steve Young. I know we haven't had much to go off of, but I just am not sold on him being a stud passer. I know that he's an athlete completely. But it's not so much passing. I almost feel like it's like putting a running back at the quarterback position in Madden is yeah, what I almost, get feel for. Almost gimmicky. Yeah. And that's with, with Jameis. He's always been one that's just been fun to watch. And he, you know, oh, he's, he can put up big plays and big numbers. So you know, now I'm kind of thinking about it. We're talking through it. Um, I'm curious to see what impact a guy like Breeze would have on a player like him. Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if he's ever had that um, – you know, a leader, uh, like a Drew Brees. Oh, no, for sure. He's never sat behind anybody, so especially someone like Drew Brees. So I think that's the key here. I think people get hung up on this question, and we'll move on because it's not fantasy-related, but it's football-related. And at the end of the day, I think Sean Payton does like Taysom Hill, and he does think that Hill could be his future. But the way they use Taysom Hill, it's hard for him to be your backup quarterback because yeah. you have him schemed into other – positions so I think at the end of the day Jameis is there for if Drew Brees goes down they've got a good backup that they can trust somewhat trust to throw interceptions um but they also it's a great situation for like Jaron said for Jameis to learn and get ready to go out on the market to another team next year if Taysom Hill becomes the quarterback of the future so definitely a fun hypothetical to talk about there um and then running back this is a big name running back that not a, people, not a ton of people are talking about, and I think it's because he's firmly planted behind the top three big running backs for most people, and that's Alvin Kamara. Um, I mean, the, the guy, he got unhealthy last year, but prior to being hurt, I mean, he was a powerhouse for fantasy, absolute powerhouse. He is a great receiving back. If you don't see his videos on Instagram, he is a freak when it comes to balance. Dude is amazing and fun to watch. He's just not getting a lot of hype because everybody's talking about Zeke, Barkley, and McCaffrey. 
And I think, I think I would not be disappointed if Kamara was on my team. Absolutely. No, nope, I mean, not at absolutely. all. No way I'm disappointed. And if I'm not one of the top three, top four picks, then I'm hoping that he's sitting there waiting for me to take because it's not like he has a health history. It's not like any of that. He's a great pass catcher. He's a great runner on a great offense. I don't know what more you could want. Yeah, he does it yeah. all in my book. Yeah, so, who else are you going to go with? So, I mean. Right, right. I mean, Kamara is, I mean, I think he's firmly at number four. Some people are going to throw Derrick Henry in there. I just, I I can't stress enough how much I like receiving backs. And Henry yeah. Henry will not have one-fifth of the catches that, that Kamara has this year. So, yeah, I would take Kamara over just about any of them in that range. Um Dalvin Cook maybe, but the injury concerns. I, I love watching Cook. I think he's he could be an incredible back, mm-hmm. but just staying healthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a big deal. And Cook, it's definitely Cook Kamara. Those are the two I'm deciding mm-hmm. there. Henry has not moved up that high for me. Uh, so those are two guys to keep an eye on. But Kamara and is that's be... a that's a definitely a, a late round pick up the backup for sure because if Kamara goes down you want to have that guy definitely yeah so that's that's Latavius Murray is Mm -hmm. who is who Tony's talking about there so Latavius Murray is a handcuff type situation just like Tony Pollard we talked about last week so um buzzing on we'll talk about the best wide receiver in football I don't know that any of us are going to argue that. Uh, we're talking about Michael Thomas. You know, record-breaking year last year, number one wide receiver overall. Uh, tried to make a run at number one player overall. I mean, it was unbelievable, especially in PPR. So Michael Thomas is, in my opinion, going to be wide receiver one again, even if he has a regression. People are going to talk about, well, he can't do it again. Well, it's just like McCaffrey. I don't know if it matters if he does it again because he was light years above everybody else. I still think he's going to have the most volume. He's dynamic. I think he's number one wide receiver. No arguments here. Tony, Phil's in. Um, well, uh, I can definitely see him being the wide receiver one this year, but I, the Sanders arrival definitely kind of makes me hesitant to believe that he's going to have the same output as last year because, I mean, he was on my team, so I watched him a ton, and he just got really easy dink and dunk passes one after another, and, I mean, that uh, Sanders could easily – take three three passes a game away from him and on on fantasy that definitely shows up ppr i yeah i would i would put my faith in him being wide receiver one again but it would not surprise me if he didn't get to the same hype that he was last year yeah so i think what we're saying here is uh tony made a great point emmanuel sanders is a good veteran receiver if he's healthy I've seen him, and he's reminded me of Antonio Brown in the past. Uh, yeah. Before yep. Antonio went, you know, off the wagon. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I thought that of Emmanuel Sanders, and the way he came back from his Achilles injury was unreal last year. So yep. I think he is a great veteran on a great team. And like Tony said, if he steals 50 targets away, uh, I mean, that's going to make a difference. Now, we're splitting hairs because I don't think any of us think that Michael Thomas is not wide receiver top three material even if he loses those targets so um big time wide receiver feel good if he's on your team emmanuel sanders is one that we talked about him hurting michael thomas and i think if something happened to thomas sanders has a lot of value he may be a sneaky guy to have on your team in ppr but i he's not someone i'm gonna get excited about and neither is anyone else on the receiving core not as of right now definitely a guy 
who have good name recognition, who's probably going to develop a good rapport with Drew Brees, and who would be worth having on your bench to see what happens. But yeah. um, nothing nothing crazy with Emmanuel Sanders. We're not projecting anything where he's like a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. We don't think this is going to be a Tampa Bay situation. So um, last one is Jared Cook. Before I get into a couple notes on Jared Cook at the tight end position, uh, anybody? I am staying far away as possible. Will not even remotely think about touching this man. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Y'all can have him. Take him. Do not let me draft him, please. If I absolutely just have to take him, I will. No. Because. No. Don't do it. I just have to do it. If I if I have to, I don't see a situation where like gun to my head, someone says, "Hey, you gotta draft Jared Cook." So I don't think I want to take him. Um, that being said, um, I, I just I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a solid opinion one way or the other, just because I I, I wouldn't want to take him, but then I'd probably regret not taking him later on. That's well, let's see if this changes y'all's mind. And this is the beautiful thing about fantasy because. You can pound the data like it's going out of stock. I mean, all three of us guys are data guys. We're paying attention to it. But you also, there may just be a player you straight up don't want on your team, no matter what the data says. And that's okay. That's fantasy football. And that's the beauty in it. But what I'm going to tell you right now, Jared Cook, last year, developed a pretty dang good rapport with with, uh, Drew Brees. And let me tell you that he started a little slow, but... In nine of his last ten games leading up to the playoffs, he had at least 74 receiving yards or a touchdown. In nine of his last ten games. That is big-time production at the tight end position, guys. That is easily top-five production. At the nine tight out end of what? Position. In, the last nine, in nine of his last ten games, he, he did that. Oh, yeah, that's so, pretty good. That's he a wasn't big doing finish. that for my team. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big finish. I mean, dude, his... Right here in a, in their playoff game, he had five catches for fifty four yards. That's over ten points in a PPR league. So, and I I think that's what sucks people in to thinking because we have seen great things from Jerry Cook, and it sucks you in, and then immediately you're like, that was so dumb. That was the worst decision of my life. Yeah. So if you're if you're trying to ride the waiver wire, then yeah, grab him. But I would not touch him. So Couldn't my personal my personal opinion there is Jared Cook's a guy who I could quite possibly have some shares of. He's coming in at tight end 10, and with the data backing that up, and with you know him just being overall an athletic type tight end on a great high-power offense, it's going to have a lot of opportunities for touchdowns. I'll take a stab at him. So you guys don't take him. I'll take a stab at him for sure. Yeah, I, I think the offense, he on, offense that he's on is the biggest thing he has going for him. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have opportunities, mm-hmm. and opportunities are king in fantasy. We talked about that last week. We will talk about that probably every week. So, uh, moving into the Atlanta Falcons. So, I'm going to push us past Matt Ryan because we're going to talk about him in a little bit. He's very comparable to Drew Brees and Tom Brady. He's a great quarterback. He... Puts up big-time passing yardage numbers and touchdowns. He doesn't run at all. He could easily finish in the top ten. I think that we're all the same place there, and we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, but I want to talk about Todd Gurley and the running back position. Huge name, huge fantasy name, with even bigger health questions. 
So, I mean, right now I'll tell you guys, I've been hearing reports from his offensive coordinator who has literally said, I don't know anything about him. I don't know if he's healthy. I don't have a clue. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to use him. That's crazy. I mean, I don't love that. You know, we're in a we're in a strange off season because of the coronavirus, mm-hmm. and that could obviously hurt him. But they paid the man, they brought him home. They obviously want him to be the guy. Devontae Freeman was in his past, not last year, but he has had a history of being a big time fantasy running back mm-hmm. for the Falcons in this offense. Todd Gurley has had a history of being the number one overall player in fantasy. So. It could be the perfect storm, but man, I mean, how can you buy into those health questions? Because I think his name is still going to carry value in fantasy drafts, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, um, my thoughts on them as a whole. I like the Falcons this year, and his name, I, I he, his health concerns scare me. Even that being said, I still think he's an upgrade um, over Devonta Freeman. Yeah, definitely. I did not I do not want anything to have to, anything to do with Devonta Freeman this year. I don't want him to go to the Eagles. I don't want anything <laughs> anything to do with Devonta Freeman. So I do don't think, touch it. I don't do even think, look yeah, at it. Don't even look at it. <laughs> no, I do think that he is an upgrade. And if I remember right, look, thinking back to last year, I was trying to pull up some stuff from him. But um, thinking back to last year, there's a few few talking points that I remember about the Falcons. I'm going to kind of spitball here. Um, one was their O-line was supposed to be awesome. I remember they made all these upgrades in the offseason going into 2019, and they're supposed to have this great offensive line. Their offensive line was garbage. It was just trash. It was no good. Devonta Freeman couldn't do anything. Um, I don't know if he could even with a good, a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, that was upsetting to see. Matt Ryan had zero time to do anything because of that offensive line. So if this year – they do have a little bit better of an offensive line. Matt Ryan has a little bit more time to you know, uh, establish an offense. Maybe that does mean they can't actually get a run game going. I think that was their biggest uh, holdup last year with actually getting to use Devonta Freeman. They never had the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Tony, what do you think about Gurley? I, uh, I think this all comes down to what your team's looking like whenever it gets to that point in the draft. If you've got a main guy and you don't really have to worry too much about mm-hmm running back to then I don't know you could probably find something else but if you're really you're desperate and the other guys around him because it's uh, David Johnson and who else around him on the other side of him in terms of picks uh, so Gurley is at Gurley is at running back 15 and right in front of him as of now is Leonard Fournette right behind him is Edwards Allaire and Melvin Gordon uh, followed by Chris Carson so We'll we'll play. Uh, we'll kind of we'll talk about who you got here in a minute, and we'll talk about some of those veteran backs you were naming. But as far as Fournette, Hilaire, Gordon, Carson, I think there's better guys there that I trust more. Yeah, definitely. I'm going with probably Hilaire there, mm-hmm. and uh, so that that takes away a little bit. But I mean, you can't forget who this guy was. I mean, that's why he's a household name, and the, the storm is setting for him to have a good year. It's just, do you trust that? Because there's a lot of uncertainty coming out of that camp. And see, I think that's where I'm in the mindset is if you if you can grab a McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara even, or maybe even Cook, I'll, I'll throw him in there, a tier one running back, and you get back around and he's available for your RB2, I, I would take him. You yeah, know you're going to yeah. get the points from McCaffrey and those guys. Um, so yeah. yeah, I would absolutely roll the dice on him. Yeah, and, and 
it's about building a roster that works together. It's about if you've got a dude that's a show pony and you're going to be able to ride him off into the sunset for the entire year, then it's okay to take a shot on an RB2 who has number one overall upside. Now, I think Gurley's time as a number one overall has passed, but he's been that before, and it's not that long ago that that's what he was. Yeah, and I mean, he showed great glimpses at the Rams last season. It was just, it was past. His time was past, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Rams were just ready to move on because of the question yep. marks. They were just, they were done with question marks. I don't, I mean, I just think it seems like some, some drama has played out with the Rams in general. Uh, and Todd Gurley, so that's, that's what happens person. with that money, right? The money, money, money makes things complicated. So <laughs> that's Gurley. If you're a risk taker, maybe he's your guy. Um, let's talk about tight end and then move on to the Carolina Panthers. So Austin Hooper is gone. He is a Cleveland Brown. Poor guy. I'm not a Baylor <laughs> fan, um, but he's gone. Easy he was, t- I know. <laughs> he was tied in six last year. He had a huge target share. And now the Atlanta Falcons traded a second-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens for Hayden Hurst. He is a guy that has a lot of talent, but he was behind Mark Andrews. So the, the Ravens were ready to move off of him. They were great with a second-round pick. Falcons are excited to have him. They chose not to pay Hooper and instead trade some draft capital for Hurst. So I'll start off on Hurst again. These tight ends in this division have some interesting uh, notes about them. And the thing that I wanted to say is, one, I'm huge on rapport. And despite the COVID situation, Hayden Hurst has been working out with Matt Ryan for over a month already. So he's in there putting in the work, trying to develop that chemistry. That gets me excited. The other thing that gets me excited is... The fact that I'm trying to pull up this stat really quick, but basically you've got Austin Hooper gone and you've got Muhammad Sanu gone. They didn't really replace Muhammad Sanu as kind of a possession type receiver. So I will be shocked if Hayden Hurst doesn't come in with 80 to 100 targets. I'll be shocked. I'm not as high on some of the other receivers. Like I skipped over the receivers. Uh, I'm not as high on Ridley as a lot of people are. Because I think Hayden Hurst has a shot to come in and kind of just take over the target share that Austin Hooper had. You know, it's not like Austin Hooper was this huge, big-time name. I mean, two years ago, Austin Hooper was a no-name. So I don't see a situation – I totally see a situation where Hurst can do the same thing and step right in and and make a big impact. So he's coming in at tight end 15. He, for me, is a tight end sleeper, no doubt. Yeah, I, I back that up wholeheartedly. I'm all about Hayden Hurst this year. Um, super excited about him. I think he was he was good with Baltimore, but you're, you're behind Mark Andrews um, with that Baltimore team with the Ravens last year. So right. um, not as much opportunity. I just pulled up his targets for last year, 39. Uh, we talked about O.J. Howard earlier. If I remember right, I think he had 53. So mm-hmm. he was the number one guy there in uh, Tampa Bay, and he had 14 more targets than the backup there. So right. give this guy the lead role. Um, with a guy like Matt Ryan on uh, that offense, I think that um, he's definitely going to come through big for fantasy this year, especially the value you can get him at. Yeah, that's, that's my biggest thing. Tony, if you have something to say, um, go on ahead and talk while I pull up Hurst's um, rankings here. 
Yeah, no, I definitely think that we're about to get our league to draft them at probably round five. Yeah, right. (laughs) None of us are going to get in now. Right, yeah, we're in trouble. (laughs) We're in trouble for sure. So Hayden Hurst, I told you, he is 15 overall in terms of tight ends. And if we go to the overall rankings here, just to kind of take a peek at what his ADP looks like, we're looking at, let me pull him up here, Um, ADP for Hayden Hurst is going to fall at 123. So he's fallen into the 13th round, boys. So if he's a tight end that I can wait on and get in the 13th round, double-digit rounds, I am happy stacking Mm -hmm. the front of my team Mm -hmm. and not having to take another tight end. I would love to have this guy that late. I think he's going to work his way up the board, but I'd be very happy with him. Yeah, it's Uh, very early for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's early. Things will change. But for now, remember the name Hayden Hurst, tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. Receiver, I skipped it, and I think that's okay for the sake of time because Julio is kind of consensus wide receiver three, and I want to talk about him in a minute. Uh, Ridley's a guy that I personally am just not – I'm not a huge believer. I I believe in the talent, but I I just don't believe in a guy being – at that number two or being the number two receiver on a team like this that has a good distribution of weapons i just that's he's not for me so i'm gonna go on ahead and pass on those guys um tony you got anything to say there no but i agree 100 percent. okay you take julio and you feel pretty good about that and outside of that it's a maybe later on get a good waiver pickup right some people are ridley believers none of us really are some people are talking about russell gage as a sleeper also i'm not on that there's other sleepers i like better so let's move into the panthers and then we'll we'll get into the the wrap-up of the show here but the carolina panthers i think the the big thing here is they're new at the top and they're not new in the way the tampa bay buccaneers are new they're new in bringing in a college coach. They've got Matt Rule from Baylor. They're bringing in a new offensive coordinator, Joe Brady from LSU, bringing in a new quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is, we talked about this in the pre-show, I really think he's no more than a potential streaming option down the road. So um, I'd watch him for matchups. I'd see how he fits into this offense because he has great minds and he has great weapons. But it's a matter of, what is that first year under a new college coach or a new coach from the college ranks, a new offensive coordinator from the college ranks, and they're not going to have that much preseason time to work together. That's going to play a role in these teams that have a lot of newness. So Bridgewater has never – he had a great year filling in for Breeze last year. Hasn't proven himself to be a bona fide starter yet. Doesn't mean he can't, but he hasn't done it yet. So – Potential streaming candidate, potential late-round guy, but I think he needs to stay on the waiver wire and be looked at as a streaming option. Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I've told you guys my opinion. I know Tony thinks that Zeke has a shot at being 1-1. I still think it's McCaffrey. It's the same principle I use for Michael Thomas. I mean, Michael Thomas, with a regression, he still has a really good shot at being wide receiver 1. McCaffrey... They use this guy like I've never seen anyone use a running back before in terms it's of volume. It's, it's unreal. So even if they cut his volume, which if I'm a new coach coming into town, I'm not cutting his volume because this is my guy. 
and I'm trying to keep my job so I don't get sent back to college. And, and that puts people in the seats for sure. It yeah. does. For, well, hopefully. That's, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to go there today. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, I have no doubt that he is the 1-1. If I'm the first pick in a draft, I'm taking McCaffrey. Um, I just, you know, I think that he is just such a dynamic guy. Yeah, and my take, I think, uh, with Bridgewater, if he can just be better than Newton was last year, even though Newton was hurt most of the year, but before he was out, he looked bad. Very, very Oh, bad. and Kyle Allen was horrible. Kyle Allen was terrible. I had, a lot of, I had a lot of Panthers on my team last year. I had DJ Moore. I had Curtis Samuel. I had Christian McCaffrey. I was a big Panthers offensive guy last year. And there's just so much change this year that I McCaffrey's McCaffrey. He's gonna have an incredible season. He's gonna do really well. That being said, I do see I can see someone like Zeke taking the one one this year. Yeah. So I think that's a product of I think that's a product of the team and the opportunity. Like we talked about opportunity for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I think those 100%. opportunities those yeah. opportunities are gonna be good with Bridgewater, probably better than last year, but Zeke could potentially have more more opportunity there. Um, either way, if you get McCaffrey on your team, good on you because he's a freak. Um, wide receiver position. So, Jaron, you said you had DJ Moore last year. He is coming in at wide receiver 10. Are you that high on him this year? I'm not that high on him this year for what I just said. I think with the Panthers organization overall, there's just too much newness there. Um, with Ron Rivera leaving, having Rule come in, um, even on the defensive side, losing a guy like Keekley, like that's uh-huh. huge for the team. I think as a whole, um, new quarterback, possibly new system. I just, I don't know. I, I want to. I see DJ Moore. I watched him play a lot, a lot last year. I see the talent. I think he is really good. I think Curtis Samuel is really good as well. Robbie Anderson, I think, has a lot of really good potential. Um, but I'm gonna stay away from all of them. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Tony? Well, I definitely think that it can't get any worse for DJ Moore this next season. And uh, with saying that, I still don't see him as that high of a pick. I like DJ Moore, but if he's going to go off the board that early, then I, I just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my situation with Moore. You know, me and Jaron were sitting here talking kind of before the show started, and, you know, he's going really close. I mean, he's going around guys like Juju and Amari Cooper and Shot. Odell and Cooper Cup. There are some guys behind him that I would definitely be taking. Even guys really far behind him yep. that I would be taking, like a Cortland Sutton, AJ, AJ Brown. Brown. Yeah, yeah he's Parker. not going to slip down very far. Yeah. Right, so if he starts slipping in your draft, okay. But more than likely, people are going to hop on right before their draft that week of. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at fantasy rankings. They're going to see him at number 10. And that's what they're going to go with. So I think you can get better value later. Yep. Um, Robbie Anderson, new to town. I don't know that he carries much fantasy weight, aside from probably making Curtis Samuel a little more irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and, yeah, I just uh, mm-hmm. I remember uh, Michael Thomas last year went with Bridgewater whenever he came in, and he made a living off of those five to ten yard routes. And Robbie Anderson makes a living off of the deep routes. I just don't really see it. Yeah, that's what I think. I don't see Bridgewater just airing it out to Anderson. Um, so at the tight end position, <laughs> we've got Ian Thomas. Who? Yeah, who? <laughs> so uh, Greg Olson has moved on, and we will too. So uh, that takes us to our predictions for the NFC South. 
I'll go ahead and start because I, I mean, man, this is a great division. I didn't realize till we started breaking this down how exciting this divisional race is going to be. Mm-hmm. And golly, guys, I, I think that it goes in the order that we talked about it. I think that Tampa Bay wins this division. I think the Saints get a wild card spot out of this division. And then I think Atlanta is on the outside looking in. And I think the Panthers I think the Panthers are improved. I do think they will be better. I think Rule will do a good job. I think Brady will do a good job. But I st- this is just too tough a division. They're not there yet. They're not there at quarterback. They're not year- there developmentally. So that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm Bucks, Saints, Falcons, Panthers. Yep. Same. Same. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I love when we agree. Too bad we don't have any hot takes here. All right, I changed my mind. The Panthers are winning the division. I could see, so this will be a slight hot take. I could see the Falcons maybe sneaking in. Um, just because, again, like I said earlier, I think that the potential is there for them um, as long as as long as long they are able to get that running game figured out, which is what they couldn't do last year. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, then we're going to move on off this division. Hope that hope that helps you guys out. Uh, but as far as the NFC South goes, and we will talk about another division in the NFC next week. But let's go on to a segment that we're going to call Who You Got. And basically what we're going to give you here is a few names. And I just want quick, knee-jerk, who you got out of these three guys. First one is quarterbacks from the NFC South, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. They're coming in at 8, 9, 10 on the consensus rankings. Jaron, who you got? I will never bet against Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Absolutely. Hands down. Tony? I'm taking Breeze unless it's real life, and I'm taking Brady. For fantasy, <laughs> Breeze is the way. Yeah. Well, I, I'm i on the Brady train. I'm, I'm all about the Buccaneers this year. I might be too excited, but I'm on that I'm on that hype train. Um, next one. So I'm going to mix this up. We're not going to talk about DJ Moore because it sounds like we're all pretty low on him. But I'm going to go with Godwin, Evans, or Julio. So Godwin's, Evans, or Julio. And I will tell you guys, y'all heard me talk about Godwin. I'm taking Godwin over Julio. So I, I'm i taking Godwin on this one. Tony, you go first. No, I'm taking Godwin too. You're not getting that out of me. <laughs> oh, Tony. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to not go with the Buccaneers. So uh, Godwin, Evans, either one. Like I said at the beginning, it's a coin toss for me with those guys. Um, that being said, Julio is Julio. If he gets some touchdowns, then that's which is the big if for his entire career. If only he could, he could get touchdowns, um, which if maybe this is the year, right? So yeah, maybe this is the year the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl. Woo! About <laughs> them Cowboys. But so I'll tell you guys right now, um, that's a hot take coming from us because not a lot of analysts are in the same boat on us thinking that Godwin is that high. I mean, Julio Jones is wide receiver three across the industry so you know you heard it here first godwin top three wide receiver definitely um and then you know what this next one we all talked about it uh we're all on hearst as far as tight ends go out of these guys so let's talk about mm -hmm. let's talk about some veteran running backs and tony i'll let you give us your answer first on this one um not all these guys are in the NFC South, but Todd Gurley is. So I've got Todd Gurley, 
Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. That is Todd Gurley at 15 running back, Le'Veon Bell at 19th running back, and David Johnson at 22nd running back. So these are three guys who have been considered the number one overall running back, and they've fallen into these ranks. So, Tony, who are you taking? I'm taking David Johnson. There's a lot of what-ifs and what-could-have-beens with David Johnson, but people still forget that he's a receiving back, and I, I think that he could – he could silence uh, Duke Johnson a little bit on the Texans. And, I mean, Deshaun needs talent around him. And I can totally see him being a stud, being old David Johnson. But there's been a lot of what-ifs, what could have been with David Johnson in the past. Yeah. So, Jaron, what do you think on this one? I got to go with Gurley on that one. Um, when was the last time the Texans had a good running back? That is my number one question with them. Love Bell. Um, he kind of – I just I, I don't think I could do it. And Gurley's only 25. The other two are 28. Um, we all know that those running backs put a lot of miles on them. So I'd go with age over there. And, I, I, again, I think I like the Falcons offense the best out of those three options. So so just so you know, 28's not that old. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> just, just wait till you're 31. <laughs> but uh, so I am going to – man, I can't take Le'Veon Bell here. I can't do it. Um <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't be different. I just don't like the Jets, man. Adam Gase is, man, one of our favorite podcasts calls him a butthole, and they are so right. <laughs> Mr. B-hole. <laughs> Mr. B-hole, man. He is not my dude. Mm-hmm. So I'm going David Johnson, too. And he is the lowest ranked here, but I'm going with him because of a stat that I heard. I don't have it in front of me, so I may butcher it, as Matthew Barry would say. But uh, if you combined the running backs for the Texans last year, so that would be Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. They would have been a top 10 running back. And I definitely see a world, like Tony said, where they got a big hole with DeAndre Hopkins leaving. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Miller was always not that talented of a running back, but he always had somewhat fantasy-relevant seasons. And I think David Johnson is a great running back. I just don't think Cliff Kingsbury liked him, and they didn't want to pay him because people don't want to pay running backs. I think he could be a big addition for the Houston Texans. I, he's a sleeper for me, for sure. And there's the old change of scenery mentality. Maybe, yeah. maybe it really is a new system, new place, new yeah. team. Maybe well, I mean, chip, a the chip whole on league, exactly. The whole league has doubted him for two years now. So Exactly. And really, that all started because of an injury. I mean, because mm-hmm. of an injury, and then kind of his backup kind of supplanted him. And it's just been a weird ride for David Johnson. And it I like... Been. I like to think maybe it's just been bad luck and he could be the guy. So, uh, with that all being said, guys, uh, we're about ready to, to wrap this bad boy up, wrap up Jaren's number one and there we go. our number two. So, we had a, we had a good time. Uh, Tony, you have any, any uh, crazy thoughts that you want to throw out this week? Oh, man. I might, I might double up. I might double up and come with four crazy thoughts for you all next week. All right, that's fair, man. Nothing wrong with that. So, so Tony will have you some thoughts next week, and I'm gonna come yeah, at you guys things, with a quote. Things have been pretty calm this this uh, past week. I know, I know. Well, <laughs> calm from a fantasy football perspective, that's for sure. So, yeah, totally joking. Uh, there's been some other stuff, other stuff going on in the world. So, and that being said, we're gonna wrap it up here, guys. Uh, I want to leave you with a quote. I told you I'm gonna leave you guys with a football quote every week. And this one is from Vince Lombardi. Individual commitment to a group effort. That is what makes a team work, a company work, 
a society work and a civil civilization work. So cheers I to think that. Now, I think now is the time for us to all be working together towards a common goal. So we appreciate you guys. Check out our socials. Check us out on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. We're hitting it hard for you guys. And we will be back next week. We're out. Thanks.